Good morning, everybody. How are you on this rainy, almost summertime weather? I like this rain. It's nice to have a little backdrop. If you're joining us online, the, the water was falling as we were worshiping. It was uh, kind of a symphony thing going on. If you're visiting, my name's Jose. I have the privilege of serving as a lead pastor here at Cypress Creek Church, and I want to welcome you to this body of Christ that is imperfect. We are an imperfect people that do our best to follow the one and only perfect Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I wanna turn your attention before we get started this morning to this thing we call the CCC Guide. It's a website, so if you have a smartphone, you can go on there and go ccc.guide, no.com, no.gov, no.org, it's just ccc.guide. And there you can find a few things that are, uh, I think, pretty cool. The first and the coolest is the prayer card. So if you have anything that we can be praying for, Rhonda, our prayer pastor and prayer team, does an amazing job praying for these confidentially every single week. And so you can fill that out there. Also, uh, I'm, I will be highlighting the serve card. So everyone stay in your seats. Don't go anywhere. All of these emergencies that tend to happen when pastors say, we need people to serve. You know, they go away. Stay with us. Serve card. Uh, but really, the connect card is the other one. If you want, share some information with us. We'll reach out to you and help you get connected if you so desire to all that God is doing through this body, this family of believers, summertime is coming up, and I want to encourage you to spend time, quality time with your family. Unplug, go on an adventure, do something exciting, maybe spontaneous in, on the wild side. It's that time, summer 2021. Anybody else have that urge to just go out and do something different this summer? Anybody in the house? All right, a few of us, good, do that. And don't go too far. Let's stay connected. Let's stay united. We've been in this series called United. And today we're going to be talking about being united in harmony. We're looking at Paul's letter to the first Corinthians. And he's really telling us, he started out by telling us that we need to be united under Christ as a family of believers. We need to be united under Christ, not under any one leader, not under any one uh, uh, argument, but we need to be united under our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he tells us to be united in conviction. So we looked last few weeks at sin and how we need to call sin, sin. We don't need to create shortcuts or justifications or explanations. Just call sin, sin, because when we do, that's when we allow the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ to overwhelm us and transform us. And last week, J.D. did an amazing job, our crosstalk pastor. Let's give it up for J.D. as he taught, taught, taught us how to lay aside some of the more minor things for the sake of the gospel. So we need a major on the majors and minor on the minors. I'm glad, J.D., that you didn't wear the jorts and the holy t-shirts, but maybe one day, uh, it'll be good if you weren't here. Check it out. He did an amazing job speaking to us uh, in 1 Corinthians uh, 10 and 9. And this morning, we're going to be looking at 11 through 14, chapters 11 through 14, where Paul is speaking to being united in harmony, speaking to the body of believers, specifically to the gathering, the time when we come together to worship God corporately, and he's saying we need to do two things. We need to keep honor a priority and we need to keep order, order. That order is really what this word harmony means. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. That's kind of our, our main 
uh, verse for this series, and then we'll define harmony, and we'll look at how God is teaching us to be united in harmony. So Paul, writing to the uh, Corinthians, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church, rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. So this word harmony is really, really important. There's a lot of different definitions now. Merriam-Webster and dictionary.com. I took this one from dictionary.com, this definition of harmony that says, the simultaneous combination of tones, especially when blended into chords, pleasing to the ear. So we're talking about the simultaneous combination of tones. So two notes at the same time in key word. Let's all say this word together. Pleasing. Can we say that with me? Pleasing to the ear. Harmony is supposed to be pleasing to the ear. Now, sometimes the way that we act in the body of Christ, I'm not going to go into many examples, but I think you'll know what I'm talking about. We create more dissonance than harmony. We are not pleasing not only to our ears, but really to the ears out there that are looking at the church to see, hey, what is this Jesus thing about anyway? Man, if we are pleasing to the ear, we are projecting a beautiful noise for those out there to hear and then come and see uh, the love of Jesus for themselves. So pleasing to the ear. Ed, you don't know that I'm going to do this, but I saw you. Ed, in, in, in the audience today, <clears throat> and you have a beautiful voice. Ed here has a bass uh, that, that is from here. And so, <clears throat> if you may, can you grace us with uh, maybe, Lam. can you just hit us with a, Lam. my man, everyone, give it up, Fred. All right. So he's doing his part. He's singing, Lam. please with me, Ed, at the same time. La, harmony is la, la, yeah, you get it? That's how we're called to be as the body of Christ. Growing up, I was a band nerd. Sixth grade, man, I already knew how to play the saxophone, and I was put in beginner band because I had a scheduling conflict. I'm still not over that, but that's another uh, sermon. And I went into band with the mission of knowing every single instrument by the end of that year so that I could be the best band director. That's what I wanted to do. When I grew up was being a band director. Well, fast forward many, many years, I didn't uh, do that. But what I did do, what I did get to do when I moved to Wimberley, there was a band vacancy in, uh, in, in, the, in the junior high. And so actually there was a piano back here for many, many years. We've been around. You remember the old piano that was here? And I was tasked to get rid of that piano. That was my first task on staff at Cypress Creek Church. Very holy uh, task. And so I went to the school district and I said, hey, I have this wonderful piano that I would love to donate, the church would love to donate to you. Well, that didn't happen, but I struck up a friendship with the band director. And when there was a band vacancy, uh, he asked me to come help out with the band. It was awesome. And so, y'all, I fulfilled my dream. I became a band director for a few months and had a blast. Fast forward choir vacancy the next semester. I was asked to teach the choir. I said, yeah, only like temporarily because I don't do choir. I don't sing. Anyway, here I am teaching sixth grade choir a few months later. And I had one mission to harmonize with these students, to teach these sixth grade students how to harmonize because that's when things get beautiful. 
You know, when there are many voices singing at one time, pleasing to the ear. And so that's the aim that Paul is getting to. We're going to be talking about these spiritual gifts, these gifts that God has given to us for free so that we can live in harmony with one another. So to set the context of 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to be reading a lot of scripture. I'll read fast, explain some, but I want us to get the whole uh, argument that Paul is making here. He's rather clear. And what he's addressing is these Corinthians used to worship these pagan idols, these gods. And the way they would do that is by singing or muttering or mumbling. And they were trying to prove their spirituality, not to these idols, these idols were deaf and dead, but to one another. They were actually competing with one another to see who the most spiritual person was. And that bled into when they gathered now as believers of the one true God, the Lord Jesus Christ. They brought that into the gathering. And so there was a lot of babbling and mumbling and all of these loud voices that were not in harmony with one another And so Paul writes this in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 12. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I do not want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So he's saying now in this new context, now because you have been ushered in to relationship with the one true God, what you say and what you do emulates the very spirit of God. So one thing that they were doing, and this is my first point on how to be united in harmony, is they were in the game. They were, they were engaging. They were not getting it right, but at least they were trying to worship God, to use these abilities that the Holy Spirit of God had given them. They were in the game. And that's what we got to do before we really sharpen our spiritual gifts and, and, and truly live in harmony. We have to be willing to be in the game. Now, in my choir class, I realized that there were a lot of timid voices, a lot of gifts. Some were really gifted in singing, and I immediately caught who was naturally gifted and who was not. And there were some that were not, that were very aware that they were not gifted. <laughs> so I tried a, an exercise at the beginning of every class. I just had them yell at the top of their lungs so that they got all the nerves out, try to get them in the game. Now, what does that look like for us? Some of us come to church. Some of us see our walks with God And we just think, I'm just going to go in this for me. I'm going to get my walk right with the Lord. But what we miss when we only come to consume is that God has called us to be producers, to produce good fruit for the common good. God's given you and me special gifts that come from his grace so that we could serve one another, which is my second Point, we need to know our gift. We need to know our gift. So in verse four, Paul writes, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. 
Theologian D.A. Carson says that these spiritual gifts are grace gifts. Grace is a free favor from God for the ill-deserving. And so when we operate in our gifting that God has given us, we're actually conduits of God's grace to others. We need to know our gifts. So I know what we're all asking. Okay, I'm ready today. I'm inspired to learn my spiritual gift. You may know yours already. You may be exercising yours. If so, yes, keep going and bring others along and say, hey, Maybe this is something that you can try out to test your spiritual gift. So how do you know uh, your gift? Well, the first thing is you got to get in the game. Like we just said, got to get in the game. You got to try. Be willing to not get it right on the first time. And then another very important thing is we got to know why God gave us spiritual gifts. And there's four chapters in the Bible. I want to go through these very, very fast. We can spend a whole lot of time on these, but I just want to fly through these four chapters of the Bible that speak to spiritual gifts and give them each a point. So the first reason for these spiritual gifts, the purpose is to equip and build us up. Us is the body of Christ. In Ephesians 4, Uh, Paul writes, so Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip, verse 12, his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So to equip us and build us up. That's the first one. The second Spiritual gifts exist to depend, to teach us to depend on one another. So we're not called to be independent members of the body. We're actually called to be interdependent members of the family of God. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, we'll read more of these verses here in a second, but it says that a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Another translation says, so for the common Good. Third is serve one another. Spiritual gifts exist to teach us how to serve one another. First Peter 4.10. God has given each of you a gift from his variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. And last, Romans uh, 12.6 says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And so spiritual gifts exist to model his grace to others. Free gift that he's given to us so that we can model his grace for others. That's the purpose. And so let's continue talking about how to know our gifts. There's nine gifts that he lays out in verses seven to 11. Let's read those. A spiritual gift, 1 Corinthians 12, seven, is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. We all need those in our life, amen? To another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. And so this happens when we are given just divine knowledge that there's no way we could have known in any other way. God plants a thought in our mind and we speak it to somebody else and that results in the edification of that person, the encouragement. Verse nine, the same spirit gives great faith 
to another. These are the people that when things are bad, man, their faith is strong and they remind us that God did not uh, send his son into the world to condemn, but to save that he who lives in you is greater than he who is in the world, that in this world we will have trouble, but take heart for he, Jesus, has come to overcome the world. Those are the people that have the spiritual gift of faith and we need them both in the valleys and on the mountaintops. He gives one person, verse um, nine, the same spirit gives great faith to one another and to someone else, the spirit gives the gift of healing. Whew. I think this is closely tied to the gift of faith. You see someone with an ailment, emotional, physical, you lay hands on that person because the Bible tells us to do that. And we see supernatural healing happen, not because of that person, but because of the gift of grace that God has given to that person to bring about healing here on earth. I'm just getting chills thinking about the amount of times that I've seen this gift and, and, and it edifies you in such a way you've been touched by the Lord through somebody else, the gift of healing. Verse 10, he gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy miracles, the things that cannot be explained in, in prophecy. This is foretelling, so telling something that is about to happen before it happens and also forthtelling, calling out God's truth right here and right now. This is what is happening. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit, the spiritual gift of discernment. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages. This is the gift of tongues. Later in uh, chapter 14, we learn that this gift is supposed to be exercised privately between us and God to enhance our relationship with him, unless, moving on, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. So unless someone has the gift of interpretation that is actually bringing out the meaning of what that person is speaking in that unknown tongue. Verse 11, there's someone with the gift of interpretation here right now. She's actually in that room. That's my mother. She's translating for me second service in Spanish. Hey, you know, spiritual gifts, all sorts of things. Not really, but you know what I mean. It's cool. We get to communicate God's truth in another language. Verse 11, it is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. Super important. He alone decides which gift each person should have. God gets to decide what we get. Not you, not me. And what's the purpose again? It's not so that others can say, wow, look at how spiritual Jose is. Look how spiritual Lee is, but look how amazing God is by putting us together in a family of believers where we can operate our gifts and build each other up. I wanna turn your attention to two tools that I wanna show you this morning that I hope will help you Maybe stir up what God is doing in you and serve by using your spiritual gifts. So one is very simple. On the serve uh, card on the ccc.guide, we've worked hard to put out a, a lot of different ways that you can serve. These are not necessarily uh, uh, specific to any one of these gifts. There's other gifts in Romans 12 and 1 Peter 4 um, and Ephesians 4. But this, these are needs that we have in our church, in our gathering time. And so we are called to get up 
and serve one another. And so if you have the gift of hospitality, if when you are around people, they feel welcome, then you need to be a greeter. And you need to welcome people to the house of the Lord and say, I'm so glad to see you. And they're like, I'm not going to you know, go by that person. But still, you overwhelm them with the welcoming and love of God because you have that gift to give to that person. There's other ways that you can serve. I'm not going to go through all of them, but they have to do with kids' ministry and ways to get plugged into student ministry. And we have an awesome team that does security and ushers and uh, translation, Spanish uh, translation, all sorts of ways where we can get plugged in. These are practical ways that you can start serving today. So ccc.guide, you can check out all those spots. And then there's an assessment, a spiritual gift assessment that you can take. We have personality tests. We have other types of tests and assessments that we like to take. Now, here's a warning for that assessment. That assessment is not God. It can be used by God as a tool. The best way that you and I can find out our spiritual gifts is by getting in the game and by being uh, uh, in that area of service and then trying it out and saying, hey, this is really working for me or this is not. I led a community group in college, and I thought I would be uh, extra spiritual by just making this a community service community group. So we didn't do anything but serve others. I had it. No one showed up except for my roommates that needed that time, my signature, if you know what I'm saying, so that they can get their community service hours so other things would be annulled. And then this one other young lady. And she served for weeks and weeks and weeks until one day she didn't show up. And then she obviously had the gift of service. She came up to me and she said, hey, I I don't want to do this anymore because I don't believe that God is asking me to do something that comes easy. He wants me to do something that is hard. And I wrestled with that. And I turned back to the scriptures and I consulted my college pastor. And I went back to her and I said, God's given you this gift. It's easy because it's God's grace through you. So use it. Operate in that gifting because you bless others. And then she went on to actually lead that community group herself. Sometimes we know what our spiritual gifts are because they come naturally to us. Know your gifts. That's the second. The third way to be united in harmony is to call out and not compare. Call out, don't compare. Let's continue reading. Verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 12. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. This is the beauty of the body, the family of believers, that we are all united in Christ, yet very different, very diverse. Verse 14, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If your whole body were an ear, How would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, 
I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen while the more honorable parts do not require the special care. What is Paul speaking to? He's saying that when we have a spiritual gift and we don't operate in that gifting, we tend to look around and there's two things that provide dissonance instead of harmony in the family of believers. And the first is comparisons. It's a trap. When I look at other people and I say, that person's got it, I don't, so I'm not even gonna try. I'm gonna allow that person to run because they definitely got it. We compare instead of compare. We need to call out the gifting that God has given to that person. That's why he showed you that that person is great at something. You can say, hey, I notice that when you greet me, I feel welcome. Therefore, you have the gift of hospitality. I notice that when you share certain words with me, they're like wise words from God. You have the gift of Wisdom, I've noticed a few times that you, you've said things right when I've needed to hear them. That's a word of knowledge. We need to call out instead of compare. We all play a part when we play together. And the second dissonance is competition. We see somebody, or maybe that has the same spiritual gift, And then we try to arm wrestle them to see who's stronger, who's better, who's holier, who's more spiritual. But instead, we need to compliment, not compete. We need to compliment one another. If someone's doing something, hallelujah, let them do that. Go do something else that compliments the other. I'm excited that we live in a community of churches that do well in doing this. We do not want to duplicate We want to complement one another as the larger body of Christ here in Wimberley and Hayes County as we work together. Not all the time doing things together, but we are for one another versus competing against one another. Verse 24 says, So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. Verse 25, this makes for harmony among the members so that all members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. When uh, you're listening to a symphony, if it's a really good symphony, you probably won't tell, but if you're conducting a junior high band, you will tell, who is out of tune? It is terrible. You hear these beautiful parts being played. They know their part because they're staring at the sheet music. They're doing, you know, as the conductor is conducting, they're in time. You may be the most talented person in that room, but if you're out of tune, forget about it. Dissonance. You know how you get in tune? Well, today we have these electronic things, but back in the day, anybody know what this is? It's a tuning fork. 
So I want to close this message on harmony by saying yes to all of the gifts that God's given us. But if we focus too much on the gift and not, or, and we're not concerned about being in tune, we'll miss it. And this is how Paul talks to us through 1 Corinthians 13, which we normally hear in weddings. But in context, it's speaking to how we are called to live with one another. So this tuning fork has this frequency. It's 440 hertz. In, in symphony terms, it's concert pitch. It's an A on the piano or A on the guitar. In this little instrument, make sure that everyone is in tune so that we can be in harmony. If we're out of tune, we'll miss it. So you hit it. You hear it? I have strong knees. I can still do that. That's it. And we can miss it if we're not in tune. And so how, how do we tune? Well, concert pitch, 440 hertz for the family believers is the love of God, is the love of Jesus Christ. It's this Greek word, agape, which means unconditional love. It doesn't mean I do something in order to get something in return. It says, no, I give it away for free because Jesus Christ died for me on the cross. He went to the grave, stayed three days down there, but then rose again so that I can have everlasting life, not because of anything that I've done, but thanks to everything that he's done for me. That's agape, unconditional love. And that's the key that we need to be in tune to. And so I want to read the first passage of 1 Corinthians 13, and then I want to close by reading a passage together in verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Dissonance. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing if I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Verse four, can we read verse four through eight together? It'll be on your screen. Here we go. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endure all things. Love never ends. That's how we live in harmony. If we miss this, we've missed everything. And Jesus in the Last Supper and worship team, you can come back up. Jesus, when he was in the upper room, right before he went to the cross, he told his disciples a lot of things. And one of the most profound statements is in John 13, 34, 35. Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love." For one another. I want to emphasize that just as I have loved you. Because if you heard what I was talking about before and you're ready to get going and you're ready to do and you're ready to serve and you're ready to fix and you're ready to get in the game, but we forget how Jesus has loved us. 
then it won't be long before we burn out. It won't be long before we get stuck in comparison or competition. But when we remember this agape love that we just read in 1 Corinthians 13, we're able to live in harmony. So let's get in the game. Let's find out our gifts. Let's complement and not compete. Let's call out each other's gifts instead of compare. And then let's be in tune to the love of God as we serve one another. I guarantee you that there's people in here that you do not know that have a gift for you. But we need to mix it up. Second gathering, 1030 gathering, we have a wonderful group that call Cypress Creek Church their family. And as the leader appointed by God, what I want more than anything is I want us to come together in all of our imperfections, but honestly, and watch what God can do as his body goes out there, united in harmony. And we'll pick up next week when we talk about united on mission. Let's pray.